Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Redestine tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Duralast batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Well, last night, I think, it's always hard to know for sure, because I was at the game. I didn't watch it on television. I was at Monday Night Football, and I think we had a pretty entertaining Monday Night Football game. Titans can't get the ball in the end zone for the first five drives, and the Colts are holding on to that lead, and then... Late, the Titans finally take control. Lots of drama as to whether or not the call was made correctly down the stretch as the Colts try to drive for the tie. And as a result, the AFC South, I think, is the perfect division now to embody what's going on in the NFL this year. With week six complete, the AFC South is about as emblematic of the rest of the NFL as any division out there in football right now. You've got three teams that you have no idea whether they're good enough or not, uh, good enough or not to win the actual division, and then you've also got another team that hasn't had the health with their quarterback and Andrew Luck to even know how good they are either. So you've got the Titans, the Jags, and the Texans all tied at three each, and now you've got also the Colts sitting at two and four. And I don't think there's anybody who has watched any four of these teams play that feels very confident predicting what's going to happen in the remaining 10 games for the rest of the season. I just think it's that kind of year in the NFL where maybe there's no very good team, but there's a lot of okay teams. And depending on what happens with a couple of bounces of the ball, there's a lot of teams out there that feel like they they can not only advance to the playoffs, but win a game once they get to the playoffs. 
And so, to me, this was a must-win game for the Tennessee Titans and their young quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Mariota could not throw the ball. I mean, could not run at all. And I think probably nowhere near being healthy enough to actually be able to be mobile. They protected him pretty well. He stood in the pocket, threw for over 300 yards, and managed to make a big-time throw to Taiwan Taylor to advance his team into, like I said, the playoff mix as we come down the stretch of the final 10 games of the season. It was an exciting crowd. It was a uh, – the, the Colts had won 11 games in a row against the Titans. I'm a season ticket holder. I was there in the crowd, and uh, it turned into a pretty good not, pretty good Monday night football game. Now, if you're a gambler, whew, what an incredible ending that was as well with Derrick Henry going 72 yards with under a minute to go and deciding to house it. Uh, I told you on OutKick the show that my blood bank guarantee was the Titans, but to buy it down to six and a half, which is what I did, so I would have been in pretty good shape anyway. But for a lot of people out there who were on one side or the other, that was about as as brutal or as glorious of a gambling victory as you will ever see. Uh, Other big takeaways. Jacoby Brissett's not awful. You know, for a young quarterback, I think that there is some possibility for him. Now, Andrew Luck, obviously, he's going to come back, and Jacoby Brissett's not going to play very much, but he's a big, strong guy, and he has the ability to make plays uh, with his feet a little bit, but certainly he's got the ability to make every throw, and I thought he had some guys drop passes from him that obviously impacted the overall success of the Colts beginning as early as on the first drive when he threw a perfect pass that was dropped uh, on what should have been a touchdown. But in general, the Titans put up nearly 500 yards of offense. We'll see whether or not they can end up following up on this and not losing. It's the most uh, amazing uh, Titans result possible, uh, given people who watch the Titans play would be for the Cleveland Browns to bounce back and win uh, that game next week uh, or this week on Sunday. Uh, but this is a Titans team that looks like it's going to be in the mix now for the uh, for the playoffs. And again, for Marcus Mariota, who in year three has continued to show a lot of sporadic talent, at times looked as good as any quarterback in the league, at other times not looked that great, to perform like he did on effectively one leg when he knew he could not run the ball at all uh, on that final drive to make the throws that he did, uh, I, I thought was a very, very good sign for what he can be like as this season progresses. Now, the challenge for him is, and the challenge I think in general in this year in the NFL is stay healthy because now Mariota has missed at least one game in all three of his first seasons. He didn't finish year one. He couldn't finish year two, although he played you know, 15 and a half of, of the games or, or 14 and a half, I guess, of the games. But this one, was, uh, this one was a must win for the Tennessee Titans and they got the victory. Uh, Jason Martin, I don't think you went, did you, to the Monday night football game last night? No, I just went to a sports bar and watched it with a couple of people. So what was your biggest takeaway of the game last night? Um, in the first half, I still saw a Titans team that struggles defensively, that was getting pushed around up front, which was a little bit strange. But in the second half, Mariota really did kind of step up and make some serious plays. Taewon looks like a really, really solid player. I really enjoyed covering him at WKU, so I'm not immensely surprised to see that he's able to acclimate himself to the game in the way that he has. And I agree with you. And I think that we saw a little bit of this last year. Jacoby Brissett is a football player that you can win games with. He's not going to go out there and wow you necessarily, but he made some nice plays in the pocket. He had poise. He got the ball out of his hands quickly. 
it was a fairly entertaining game. The first half was a little bit sluggish at times, but they were moving up and down the field. Both teams were. Uh, it was it was a fun game, and I don't know what happens in the AFC South because you have to think. Andrew Luck probably comes back the first week of November if some of the reports are to be believed. If that indeed happens, who knows where this division is going to be. You've got three quarterbacks you can really build around in this division for the future with Mariota, with Luck if he comes back and is able to stay healthy, and obviously with Deshaun Watson. The Jaguars are a great defensive team that does not have a quarterback, so they're the only ones that I would say I can't really predict they're going to win because quarterbacks win in this league, and three three of these teams may have quarterbacks, and the fourth one I still don't believe does. Yeah, I think to me when I look at the standings right now as we finish the six weeks, so we're a little over a third of the way through the NFL. By the way, if you want to react, 877-996-6369. I don't feel at all comfortable who's going to win the AFC East, even though New England's in first place. And coming into the season, we felt like, oh, it's New England in a wash, uh, in a walk. I still think that New England has got to be the prohibitive favorite there. But Buffalo and Miami are not very far out, and the Jets were good enough to almost beat New England this past weekend. AFC North, uh, you know, I mean, look, Pittsburgh has been the prohibitive favorite so far, but they've been bad enough to lose to the Bears and the Jags, good enough to go on the road and beat the Chiefs. I don't have a good sense about the AFC North. We just talked about the AFC South, absolutely no idea. Uh, The AFC West, uh, we'll see. The the Chiefs looked like they might run away with the division, and uh, then they looked really bad this past weekend. The NFC East will uh, the the game between the Eagles and the Redskins this coming weekend is going to be really substantial as to who wins that. The NFC North totally wide open now with Brett Favre injured. To me, you can make an argument for anybody but Chicago to win that division. The NFC South, good luck. It's wide open. Who knows what the results will be there? Lots of good teams, lots of good quarterbacks, and the NFC West I think is wide open. So. We'll see what happens with the Eagles going up against uh, the Redskins. Maybe the Eagles can create some substantial space between themselves and the rest of the division. Otherwise, there's no I have no idea, no earthly idea who is going to be the representative from all these different teams, and we're over a third of the way through the season, and it's hard to even have a good sense for how good teams are. In fact, right now, if you wanted to know, I know it's early, but if you wanted to know what the playoff picture looks like, Kansas City's your one seed. It's crazy. Pittsburgh Steelers are your two seed. Your three seed, New England. Your four seed, the Tennessee Titans. Five, Buffalo and Miami. To put you in perspective how wild the AFC is right now, your fifth and sixth playoff teams, your wild cards, would be the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. That's how uh, uh, up in arms, up and wild everything is. If you went to the NFC, the Eagles are the overall number one seed. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings are the number two seed. How many people would even guess that right now? Which team would host a playoff game in the NFC if the season ended today? The Philadelphia Eagles, I think a lot of you would get that. I bet hardly anybody would get the Minnesota Vikings. Even people in Minnesota wouldn't guess that. Uh, in the three spot, you would have uh, the Carolina Panthers, then the Rams, then Green Bay. We'll see. Obviously, that will be uh, that will be a non-factor as we move forward. And uh, the Saints would be in the sixth spot there. Again, totally unexpected and different setup. In, in fact, right now in the NFC, teams that made the playoffs last year that would make the playoffs if the season ended today, 
the only one is the Green Bay Packers. So that kind of puts into perspective how much of a mess the NFL is through six weeks. And in the AFC, uh, I guess the AFC may be more traditional uh, teams advancing. Four of the six that made the playoff would still uh, make the playoffs if the season ended today. All right, I'm going to open up the phone lines. Uh, a lot of fun, exciting win. 877-996-6369 is that phone number. 877-996-6369. And uh, we will continue to react to Monday Night Football. I was there. We'll talk a little bit uh, about our top five and our bottom five at the bottom of this hour. In hour two, kind of laying out the roadmap for you. We've got Alex Marvez who will join us. And then in hour three, we will have Petros uh, Papadakis from L.A. We'll talk a little bit about the Dodgers as they get ready for game three in that series against the Chicago Cubs. How wild is L.A. going over the prospects of the first World Series trip for the Dodgers since 1988? I also want to remind you guys, let me know if it's working or not. Sirius Satellite Radio as well as XM202. If you are listening right now on Channel 83, they flip it over to the show that no one watches uh, on FS1 at the bottom of this hour, so in about uh, 18 minutes. But right now we are on Channel 202 XM, and we are on supposedly Channel 218 on Sirius. You can hear all three hours there. So XM, Channel 202, Sirius, Channel 218, Uh, satellite radio back all three hours available now check and see if you can hear us there and pick it up as well i appreciate satellite radio picking the show back up for all three hours and you guys for being such fans lots of you listening right now on channel 83 have been asking that question for a while you guys already know how much i love dollar shave clubs razors did you also know they offer so much more they make their own high quality personal and grooming products for your hair face skin shower everything DSC has all your bathroom needs delivered. When you're at the store shopping for your personal and grooming needs, there are too many options. Who can tell them apart? Not me. And if you have any questions, forget about it. It's not like the clerks are experts on the products. Now there's no need for the hassle of uh, stepping into the store. I use Dollar Shave Club for almost everything. Razors, body cleanser, hair gel, even butt wipes. DSC has you covered head to toe. I've used this example before, but we have his and her sinks in the bathroom in our uh, master bedroom. My wife has got all sorts of gear. Looks like a NASCAR pit crew there. She's got everything lined up. I've just had a couple of things. Now she's starting to steal my stuff. She sees how well these razors, body cleanser, hair gel, butt wipes, all of it's working. She's stealing my stuff. Everything super high quality. Leaves me looking and feeling amazing. From premium ingredients to sophisticated scents, DSC is changing the game. And right now, you can try it all. You can get their first month starter set for just 5 bucks. It includes travel size shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and a month of their best razor. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. Don't miss out. Get your starter set for just five bucks today exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance as well with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. I'm working here like two and a half, three hours sleep late night. 
uh, going to the uh, the Titans and the Colts Monday night football game, and then uh, coming back and doing the show. And I think I just said, did anybody else hear it? I think I just said that Brett Favre was out with an injury instead of yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers. You did. So, I was going to put it in the chat, and then I just thought, you know what? Then you're just going to mention it. There's no reason to do that. Everybody knows what you meant, so I actually let it go. Brett Favre is actually not injured, so that we know. Although, you know We're what, sure Brett Favre, that? I think, does have a injured hand because I just interviewed him maybe like three weeks ago. Uh, he was here in town, with, uh, and we did it on OutKick, the show, and a lot of people really enjoyed it. And he actually did have an injured hand. So Brett Favre is out injured, too. He had uh, hurt himself. I don't remember exactly how he did, but he had a cast on. So uh, Brett Favre is hurt, too, and Aaron Rodgers obviously potentially out for the season. He's going to have surgery on his collarbone. And honestly, when you look at the, uh, at the setup, it's a total mess. It's a, uh, it, it's a total mess to try to figure out exactly how that works. So anyway, I don't know what's going on satellite radio. What's the update that we're not on Channel 218? They're going to try to get that figured out. I know that the XM Channel 202 is working flawlessly so we'll see if eventually they can get channel 218 worked out the easy way to solve all this is just to download the podcast the podcast goes up like 15 minutes after we finish this show so by 9 15 9 20 eastern time you can download the podcast millions of you are doing it and you'll be able to have the entirety of the show satellite radio is eventually going to fully get worked out i'm positive that that uh, that xm is working so xm channel 202 who knows how else this thing works uh, and eventually, 218 on Sirius will be uh, fixed as well. So uh, who knows uh, how exactly that's working. But you go ahead and tweet me. Let me know uh, at Clay Travis whether or not things are working out. Um, I will tell you this. Like I said, I gave out the blood bank guarantee last night in the Titans and the Colts game. And it looked like the really bad side of a bet for a while because the uh, the Colts score to go up 19-9. And then uh, we get an unbelievable breakaway run from Derrick Henry. And I think the percentage play is there, even though going up two touchdowns is great. You should take a knee before you score. But there were an awful lot of people out there gambling on Monday Night Football who had either the Colts plus 7.5, you might have bought it out to 7.5, or, like I said, bought it down to 6.5, so you might not have been impacted. But there were tens of millions of dollars, I would imagine, that swung from one direction to another with that Derrick Henry run and his decision not to take a knee before he scored 72-yard touchdown on Monday Night Football. He wanted to make sure that everybody knew, hey, I'm Derrick Henry. I won the Heisman Trophy, and I haven't been used that much so far in the first two weeks, first two years of my career with the Tennessee Titans. But I've still got that extra gear, same extra gear that won me the uh, won me the Heisman Trophy. All right, we've got top five and we got bottom five. Also, want to give out the number 877-996-6369. That's 877-996-6369. I've got no idea. I've got no idea who the best teams in the NFL are. Let's go ahead and cue the music, boys. I think we have top. There we go. There is our top five, bottom five music. I've got no idea who the top five teams are in the NFL. Now, I feel pretty good about the Chiefs overall at number one. And I'm putting them there, even though they looked bad against the Steelers, because they beat the Eagles head-to-head. So I've got the Eagles in the two spot. I've got the Carolina Panthers in the three spot, uh, followed by the Steelers. And then in the five spot, I have got the Rams 
in L.A. I mean, that's how wild my top five is right now. So my top five teams in the NFL, and I'm not really confident in any of them, but certainly not confident after the top two. Chiefs, Eagles, Panthers, Steelers, and Rams. Bottom five, I feel a little bit better about. The Colts, who have not been as awful as you would have anticipated with Jacoby Brissett. They were competitive last night, especially in the first half. Then offensively, they just kind of fell apart. The Bears, I've got at uh, the fourth from the bottom. Then I've got the Giants, who went on the road and beat the Broncos, which is why I don't have the Broncos in my top five. Then I've got the San Francisco 49ers and the poor, uh, winless Cleveland Browns. Those two teams 0-12, but the 49ers have been competitive in all six of their losses. That's the top five and bottom five in the NFL now that we're six weeks through the NFL season. Coming up on the halfway point now, over a third of the way through the NFL season. Uh, Your thoughts, Jason Martin, on top five, bottom five in the NFL. My top five was similar. I had Chiefs-Eagles at one, two, Pittsburgh at three, Carolina at four, and then I've got New England at five because for all of the issues that they have shown, they're still a four and two football team with an MVP candidate as their quarterback. So I don't see anything else that would put anybody else there. It's just kind of a crapshoot there. You can put several different teams if you want to, but other four and two teams I don't really trust except for Carolina, who I've already got there. The Rams... They're right there on the outside looking in. Obviously, Denver falls out with what happened to them on Sunday night and nobody else in the AFC West because they're all just sort of falling apart at the seams. So I think that you could make an argument for a bunch of different teams at five. And then my bottom five, I missed like the the back half of yours, but mine was Colts, Giants, Bears, 49ers, and Browns. Even though the 49ers are not as bad as 31, it's just because they've only had you know, because of their win total is the only reason that you have to put them there. They haven't won a football game as close as all of these games have been for them. I don't think they're an awful football team. I honestly think they might be better than the Chicago Bears, for example. But when you're 0-6, you're still 0-6. So the only team that you can get a nod above is, an, is another 0-6 team coached by Hugh Jackson, who's now 1-21 and as a uh, head coach in Cleveland. Going to take him a while to get back to 500 uh, now that yeah, he took the take Browns job. Do you think Hugh Jackson would still take the Browns job if he got offered it tomorrow? If he knew that he was going to start 1-21? There's no way he takes this job, is there? Because eventually he would have gotten another NFL job. I mean, he, once you're in the mix to get an NFL job, you'll get another one. He definitely, if he can go back in time, says no to this job, right? There's no way even making whatever he's making, 4 or $5 million a year, and I don't know what his salary is, there's no way that the money that he's making is worth going 1 and 21, not to mention the difficulty that it puts on his chances to be another head coach. Even if people say, you know what, it's the Browns, how much better could anybody have done? Starting 1 and 21 in your coaching career, it has to take years off your life. I would think. Yeah, but- I mean, if you knew you were going to be 1 and 21, obviously that's not a job you would take. If I'm Hugh Jackson and I'm, what, 53 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood, he just wanted to be a coach. He got kind of a raw deal. He was only in Oakland there for that one year, and then they let him go. And he had an okay year when he was there, and then nobody really looked at him after that, and then he finally gets another opportunity. It's the worst opportunity that you can get in the league, but it's still one of 32 opportunities that you can have. I still think potentially he'll get another job, another head coaching opportunity. I don't think it will be immediate, but I don't really blame Hugh Jackson for a lot of what's happened in Cleveland. The biggest issue for them is as many quarterbacks as they've tried to draft, they got this one wrong. 
they had a chance. They had two first-round picks, and they end up moving back in the first round and allowing Houston because Houston's the one that moved into the spot and drafted Deshaun Watson. And we said on this show that was going to be a probable mistake, quite frankly. And it's turned out to be a gigantic one when you've got Hogan and you've got Kaiser, which means at least for right now, you don't have a quarterback yet again. And Hugh Jackson is an offensive guy that has done wonders with quarterbacks throughout his career, even dating back to Cincinnati and what he was able to do with uh, Andy Dalton there for a couple of years when he was there. It's just a bad look all the way around that you can't get a guy who is good with quarterbacks a quarterback the Bears or pardon me the Browns just appear to be cursed when it comes to drafting the right guys I mean how many quarterbacks have they tried to bring in that have failed for them about 20 now a lot of them are guys that are further down in the first round whether it's Johnny Manziel or Brandon Whedon this year they'll at least be number one or number two I think it's fair to say drafting in the NFL and I actually think it's an intriguing question if you're advising Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen assuming that the Browns end up with a number one overall pick. And I think it's it's fair to say it would be a big surprise if the Browns don't have the number one overall pick. Would you tell them to go back to school so that you don't get picked by the Browns? Are you that concerned about that decision? I'm not sure. But it's certainly something that I think will be a bigger co- topic of conversation going forward. Let's bring in the L.A. crew. We've got uh, uh, Robert and Sam out there. Uh, I Just running through, now that we finished week six in the NFL, my top five, Chiefs, Eagles, Carolina, Steelers and the Rams, my top five, my bottom five, Colts, Bears, Giants, 49ers, Browns. I think the bottom five is basically taken care of. It's relatively easy right now to say who the worst teams are in the NFL. Any other teams that you think are worthy of being considered top five teams? Yeah, I actually had the Vikings at number four. I have a Chiefs, Eagles, That's a bold call, even for people who are Vikings fans. They're like, there's no way you can justify uh, the Vikings at four. So you're that sold on uh, on the the, uh, the 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 situation with Sam Bradford's well, I, injury I'm, now Teddy Bridgewater's coming back. I'm sold on their defense number one and number two. As crazy as this sounds, but I should I think the numbers might back me up here. I trust Case Keenum more than Cam Newton. Cam Cam's highs are obviously much higher than Case's will ever be, but he has some really bad games too. And I don't know if with Case Keenum at least this year he's been you know middle of the road don't turn the ball over a quarterback. And, and I think that in, if they go head-to-head, I would trust the Vikings' defense to force Cam to turnovers, and so I would pick the Vikings over the Panthers. Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, I, I think what's, interesting a, argument. what's amazing about the NFC uh, North in general is how overnight when Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone, everything changes with – everything associated with the Packers. In the play before Aaron Rodgers is injured, they look like they're in good shape, the Packers are, to win that game and move to 5-1. and one. And then the injury happens and everything falls apart for the Packers. And I still don't know what's going to happen there. But it's hard to believe that the Packers are in any way good enough. Let's say that, that, uh, that, that Aaron Rodgers has that surgery and ends up being perfectly fine. And and comes back in the let, let's say best case scenario he heals really quickly and he comes back in week fifteen or sixteen which has got to be what the Packer fans are holding out hope for is are they anywhere near good enough with Brett Hundley as the quarterback to actually end up in a situation where they could be in the mix to still contend for the NFC North division title I'd be really really surprised by that. Uh, let's bring in uh, my guy Eddie Garcia and figure out what's going on in the world of sports. I know we haven't talked about him, but the Yankees now 
have uh, cut into that uh, early series lead there for the Houston Astros. And uh, more. What else is shaking, my man? Yeah, that's right, Clay. And uh, Game 3 of the American League Championship Series was pretty much all Yankees as they won pretty easily over the Astros. 8-1. to one. Todd Frazier had a three-run homer in the second inning. Aaron Judge a three-run shot in the fourth. That was plenty of run support for starter CeCe Sabathia, who tossed six shutout innings, allowed just three hits in picking up the win. So Houston still has a 2-1 series lead, but New York back in it. Game 4 coming up later today. Again, in the Bronx, that's at 5 o'clock Eastern time. Week 6 in the NFL came to a close on Monday night in Nashville. Titans beat the Colts 36-22. Tennessee quarterback Marcus Mariota is back from his hamstring injury, passed for over 300 yards, had a big 53-yard touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter to help seal that win. Tennessee snapped an 11-game losing streak to Indianapolis. Titans are 3-3. Three three. They're tied with the Jaguars and Texans for the AFC South lead. NFL News, Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers will have surgery for a broken collarbone. He'll miss a significant amount of time. They're not ready to stay the whole season just yet. Packers head coach Mike McCarthy said the team will go forward with quarterback Brett Huntley as their starting quarterback. He said they're not looking to bring another quarterback from the outside into the roster. And also, Clay did want to mention that the NFL Players Association has filed a request for a temporary restraining order that would keep Dallas Cowboys star running back Ezekiel Elliott on the field. The request is scheduled to be heard today in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York. It's amazing how much money the NFL has made for lawyers with crazy-ass appeals to all sorts of ridiculousness. Whether it's the Tom Brady to Flategate, whether it's everything now surrounding Ezekiel Elliott, I, I get asked every now and then from people out there who are young, guys or girls, they're like, I want to get into sports media, what would you suggest? And my suggestion is always get an advanced degree, in, in all honesty, because I would have never thought when I was in law school over a decade ago that so much of what we talk about in sports would be related to the law, and I certainly wouldn't have thought, and I didn't get this degree, but it's a good, good degree to have in general, is that business would take over like it has, so that if you have the ability to get your MBA and figure out sort of the business side of sports, I think you have an incredible value there. And frankly, with all of the injury talk, I don't think we have a good medical doctor who can break down overall injuries in a really succinct way. And I think there's still an opening for somebody out there who wants to be, and granted, if you're a doctor, you go to school for a long time, do you really want to be the guy or girl who stands up and breaks down every single injury? that athletes face, and you don't get access to the medical uh, the medical files, which obviously makes it diagnosis a little bit more challenging. But to me, there's still a wide-open job opportunity there. If you had to choose between getting a journalism degree or getting a business degree and you want to make a living in the world of sports, I think a business degree is by far more useful. Uh, journalism is not that complicated. People out there want to say, oh, it's so hard to know like the journalism aspects. Like Journalism you can learn in – a couple of weeks. You can read a book and figure out how to be a decent journalist. A lot of it is the practice of doing reporting that you're going to learn from. But the MBA, the JD, the MD, all those things are are irreplaceable in the world of uh, in the world of sports. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save fifteen percent or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call eight hundred nine four seven Auto. The only hard part: figuring out which way is easier. Lots of ways to, uh, to consume uh, the show, and people always have to be uh, really, uh, really talkative about it. You realize you're also on Fox Sports Radio and iHeartRadio and not just satellite, right? Yes, I do realize that. We've been doing the show for over a year. I appreciate you letting me know that we are on iHeartRadio and not just satellite radio. Jason Martin, did you know we're on iHeartRadio and not just satellite radio? Without, uh, I had no t- idea. Without a more X2 
a more times two without a more times two here on Twitter, I would have never known. I had no idea we yeah. were on iHeartRadio. I, I mean, me either. I mean, me my, I mean, my email address has iHeart in it, and I had no idea why. Now it makes a, a lot more sense, actually, as to why that would actually exist. One thing, we had a couple of people call in in the last minute or two. Sirius 962, which is not something that's on the actual tuner in your car, but on the app. We mentioned this yesterday that it was working for some people. Sirius 962 on the Sirius app is running the show right now, just so and, that people out there know that. And we're on 218 for a lot of people out there because people are sending me the, the lineup now. So I think Sirius is off and running too. So people, there are people why, why are you mentioning all this? Because for a month we have been off satellite radio. We haven't had all three hours up and running now all three hours are up and running. Sirius uh, Channel 218, XM Channel 202. So I believe we are now up and running everywhere. It should all be working. And 962. And also, by the way, we're on the iHeartRadio app. You can ba- The number of ways that you can consume this show, and I don't mean just this show, but, but shows in general, continue to astound me. I think we're moving towards an era when you will get go anywhere and be like, I want to listen to Clay Travis. I want to listen to Colin Cowherd. I want to listen to Doug Gottlieb, whoever you have. And it's not going to matter whether that's on a traditional radio. Like, I think you'll be able to get in your car and just say that, and you'll get the latest of whatever we've done. But you look at now the availability of this show. I mean, they've done an incredible job getting our affiliates lined up. We've got over 250 of them, AMFM. We love all you guys, all 50 states. Satellite radio, all three hours. The iHeartRadio app. Uh, streaming options at foxsportsradio.com. You can now stream on satellite radio uh, channel 962 if you're streamed there. Uh, And then the podcast, which millions of you are downloading. Um, I just can't say enough uh, about how well this show has been distributed and how good of a job they're doing at Fox Sports Radio. Also, hate to brag, but it's a good night for us last night getting the blood bank guarantee on the win 877-996-6369. We'll take your calls. Final uh, segment of Hour 2. I misspoke earlier. Alex Marvez can't join us in Hour 2. So we're going to continue to roll with you guys as we move into Hour 2. Only one guest today, and for the L.A. crew out there, it's Petros Papadakis in Hour 3. So all of you guys, caller uh, intensive, we'll take your calls. We haven't taken any yet, but we will. 877-996-6369. Appreciate all of you spending your Tuesday with us. Short night for a lot of us who stayed up and watched Monday Night Football last night. So short, in fact, that I've been uh, crossed over now. Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, again, Aaron Rodgers is injured, not Brett Favre. Although, Brett Favre is also injured because I just interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. So technically, I was correct when I said that Brett Favre was injured as well. He's got a cast on his hand. Of course, he's been retired for a little while. Uh, Titans with a big win over the Colts. We'll react to that. We'll play a couple of clips from that game uh, last night coming up in uh, the final segment of Hour 1. We'll continue to discuss the NFL setup as we move into uh, week 7 now of the NFL season. Do we feel comfortable? Who do we like? Who do we think is the most reliable? It's even hard to find five teams that are very good right now. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Monday night football last night. It was uncertain what would happen. Not necessarily two great teams, but certainly an interesting game. The Colts had won 11 in a row over the Titans. It was tied up at 22 all with about five and a half minutes to go. Marcus Mariota drops back to pass, and this is what it sounded like. Mariota, play fake, looking, throwing deep. There's Taylor at the 10, at the 5, in the end zone. Touchdown, Titans! 
Titans, Taewon Taylor, 53 yards. That audio courtesy of Titans Radio. And then for the gamblers out there, and this is the quintessential bad beat for a lot of you who were on the Colts. If you were on the Titans, you may have needed this one to go ahead and cash that check. But here's what it sounded like. Derrick Henry taking the handoff, trying to get the first down, and a little bit more in a big AFC South clash. Henry down the sidelines. 30, 20, 10, 5, end zone. Touchdown, Titans. Derrick Henry, 72 yards for the exclamation point. Derrick Henry cashing a lot of checks for Titans backers, including this guy, Blood Bank Guarantee Cashes. We needed some blood. Needed a blood transfusion after the last couple of weeks when Ed Ogeron's taking care of us, giving us a beat down there. So that's your Geico play of the day. Uh, great news. There's a quick way to you could, you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And uh, that is pretty fantastic. Three teams now tied atop the AFC South at 3-3. Three and three. Who's going to end up winning that division? Who knows? Uh, the I think Texans fans have to feel pretty good about what Deshaun Watson has looked like. I think that Jags fans have to be fairly comfortable with the fact that they have been 3-3. Three and three. They still have no quarterback, but a good defense in Leonard Fournette looks to be the real deal. So we will see exactly how all of that is going to shake out. But the Titans now tied there at 3-3. Three and three. And honestly, even Colts fans, they could have stole one on the road here in Nashville and gotten a big win. But essentially, when Andrew Luck comes back, assuming that it is going to happen, they're not going to be totally eliminated, especially if they could get a win over the Jags this upcoming weekend and stay alive. Who knows what's going to happen in the uh, in the NFL season in general? Um, I believe that uh, that we have got Jason Martin. You're letting me know you've got a couple of animal Thunderdomes for us. Yeah, there are a couple of pretty good ones. Both of them taking place in the wonderful state of Florida. Should we should we do that now, or should we lead off hour two with the Animal Thunderdome? Hmm. Interesting question. I'm going to let you make the decision there. I think we've got time to fit it in. Let's go ahead and do it now. All right, let's guys. Have you got the music? Can you cue the music? Let's go ahead and hit the Animal Thunderdome. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. I have a bone constrictor stuck to my face. Sam, you have a what? This is Animal Thunderdome. Jason Martin, take it away. In our never-ending cavalcade of bears attempting to become more human, we have the stories of the bear sitting on a couch like a human being, getting into cars, driving, all sorts of things. Police at the University of Central Florida a few days ago tweeted out a photo to warn students and faculty about a, quote, studious bear, unquote, visit to campus. This past Thursday afternoon, a bear strolling down a sidewalk near a plaza on the campus and then a post on its website reads bears are typically quiet and shy but they are wild animals it is important to remain alert of your surroundings and be aware of how to react should you see a bear never approach or surprise the bear and do not feed or intentionally attract them and then it talks about being at close range and being very careful and there is a photo of a bear out here it looks like it's almost like a patio but it's just walking the sidewalk in this plaza near the library at central florida so you know, I, I feel like there are a lot of people who don't realize there are bears in the state of Florida in general, right? I mean, would that be a, a fair approximation? I don't think people think of a bear as being in a place where it's really, really warm. 
not necessarily that uh, the Bears seem like they have an association with colder weather, but the Bears are evidently all over Florida now. And Central Florida, I mean, that's like basically Disney World. Uh, outside of like a cartoon bear, I don't think most people, the Berenstein Bears, are they Disney characters, wherever it is, I don't no. think most of those people would anticipate that there would be a bear at Central Florida. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You think of alligators and you think of snakes and things like that, but I don't think you ever do think about bears. You think of Pacific Northwest and, you know, the Rocky Mountains and things like that Smoky for bears, Mountains. but I don't think Florida's. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, yeah, that would be interesting, though, if you're at Central Florida just on your way to the library and there's a bear just hanging out walking the sidewalk. Yeah, you, I mean, I think you? Central Florida, I think also if you're at the beach, I've made this argument before. You definitely would not expect to be like there are bears that go to the beach. Now, this is not a, like a children's book. I mean, this is real life. And I think it's fair to say that if you were sitting facing the water and suddenly a bear came from behind you, that would be the quintessential animal Thunderdome because the straight ahead your your sharks have you and you should not expect like you shouldn't get expect to get attacked by a bear on the beach. That would be unexpected, but they do exist there every now and then. Yes. And then this one is much more Florida like a nine-foot yellow anaconda. The Leon County Sheriff's Office shared a video of Detective Emily Shaw wrestling with a nine-foot yellow anaconda on the side of a highway. It was found on the side of this roadway on Thursday. She gets the call, but luckily she's an experienced exotic snake handler, which I have no idea why those exist, but okay. So the, so she prods the anaconda with a large stick. She grabs it by the tail and carefully carries it into a bag. She's an experienced animal like wild animal exotic snake handler and her move when she sees the anaconda is to prod it with a stick <laughs> yeah that's the same thing i would that no, doesn't, yeah, right. I'd, I'd that doesn't seem direction. i wouldn't get close to it but it doesn't right. seem like you're if you're a trained exotic snake handler that your first move when you see an anaconda is just to prod it with a snake i mean with a stick yeah, that's the kind of thing kids do. Like yes, That's, that's exactly. not what you would expect the Wrangler to do. But the sheriff's office speculates the massive snake, likely an exotic pet, of course it is, that likely escaped from its home or was released. Exotic pets is one thing. I think if there's anything anybody has learned about this show and us being completely snakist, no one should own a nine-foot anaconda or a nine-inch anaconda. Where do you even keep a nine-foot snake? And also, again, every snake gets out of its cage. There's never been a snake that was in a cage that hasn't gotten away. That's your animal Thunderdome for the day. Those Both those stories are unbelievable. God bless Florida for having the insanity that it always does when it comes to the animal Thunderdome. Number one state for animal Thunderdome stories, definitely the state of Florida. I'm Clay Travis, hour one in the books. We're rolling into hour two. We'll kind of put in context the NFL season as we progress. We'll also maybe get an update on the Major League Baseball playoffs up next on Outkick, the coverage. Oh. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote as well. Duralast batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Lots of reaction to you talking about anacondas, Jason Martin. You've triggered a lot of people across the nation. Uh, with your nine foot anaconda talk, one thing, your nine inch anaconda. <laughs> I know, like, I realized as soon as I said it, that was not what I meant, obviously, but as soon as I said it, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I know where this is going. It's the idea that no one should have a snake of any length. Again, but oh well, this is a kick. Yeah, a lot of different. Uh, in LA, were you uncomfortable when Jason Martin started talking about nine inch anacondas? 
I started actually, this is uh, Iowa Sam, by the way. I started laughing. I thought that was great. I'm like, should we dump this? But then I don't know. I'm like, no, that's great. It made me laugh. Jason. The story, if you weren't aware, there was a nine-foot anaconda that was uh, that was handled by the exotic snake handler who also happens to be a cop. What a, what an incredible overlap there. And uh, and Jason Martin decided to take it into a, a, a very seamy direction immediately. <laughs> Of what else all the size snakes you could have talked about, <laughs> of all the size snakes you could have talked about, uh, that is, uh, I guess you know your anaconda don't want none unless you got buns on. So uh, <laughs> whatever you do, uh, Sir Mix a Lot is out there to uh, to save the day. Speaking of saving the day, the blood bank guarantee was in question last night. Gave out the Titans as a favorite. We got the late score. Uh, on the Taewon Taylor touchdown pass to break the score, uh, the tie 22-22, gave the Titans a touchdown lead, and then Derrick Henry breaks the long run. Uh, as a result, we now have week six of the NFL in the book. Uh, my top five, Chiefs, Eagles, Panthers, Steelers, Rams. My bottom five, Colts, Bears, Giants, 49ers, and Browns. We do this every single Tuesday as the NFL season progresses. And I actually think this is an intriguing question. We didn't talk about it very much yesterday, but I put up the poll question. Is is everybody a little bit surprised? I want to go around the horn here that the Packers are going to stick with Brett Hundley. Uh, look, I mean, I watched Brett Hundley play a lot at UCLA, and I know that for people who watched him play, I mean, he has the ability to make every throw. He's a really big, really strong pocket-passing quarterback who's also mobile. I remember talking to one of the assistant coaches at UCLA before his final season when there was a lot of optimism about Brett Hundley. And uh, I don't know what happened just there. Are we safe? Did the music just erupt in the background there? It's a technical difficulty. It actually terrified me. I was here. I was sitting in the studio, and I almost left out of my skin. Uh, All right, so we're still all good. Everybody's still alive. Brett Hundley um, was – the the expectation was that he could be an outside Heisman Trophy candidate at UCLA. And he just didn't quite pan out. You had no idea what to expect from him from one game to the other. But I remember talking to one of the assistant coaches on the UCLA staff before that season started, and he said, and he was being totally honest with it, he said, I think that Hunley has a lot of John Elway in him. And I said, oh, come on. You know, like John Elway is a pretty strong, aggressive argument to make. But he said, no, look, this guy is really big. He's really strong. He's physical, but he's incredibly mobile as well. And so we'll see whether there's any reason for optimism at all with the Green Bay Packers. Certainly coming in in relief, there was not a lot of reason for optimism. That might be the most – every assistant coach and head coach hasn't it, – it's amazing how much they can build up their players. But that, to me, was a, uh, was a pretty ridiculous description, which is why I think – and I tweeted this almost immediately, and a lot of you agreed with me. I'm going to go scroll through the poll question and see what the final numbers were. But I think something like 25,000 of you voted in this – as soon as I saw this go up, I was sitting, uh, my son is in a uh, youth hockey league right now, of all things, given uh, my affinity for hockey. That is certainly an unexpected outcome. My son was there, and Romo uh, immediately comes to mind. I'm sitting watching him on the ice. I see the injury happen, and I immediately think, man, should we talk about Tony Romo potentially as the guy who could go? Remember, he's from the state of Wisconsin. He is a, a born and raised Packer fan. And 37 years old, incredible in the booth. And is that something that could happen? Is that a discussion point that's worth having? And tons of you agreed with me that you would make that call and see whether Tony Romo could come in. 
I asked, should the Packers try and sign Tony Romo? And 26,000 of you voted, and 57% of you said yes. I don't know why you wouldn't make that that point of discussion, why you wouldn't make that call and see whether Romo might be interested in coming in. I mean, he's a, uh, a pocket-passing quarterback. I know that the offensive line has not been great and all those other things, but wouldn't you think 37-year-old Tony Romo a little bit more reliable? And Maybe the answer is that Romo can't stay healthy either, but in terms of if you knew they were going to be healthy, don't you have to feel like it's more likely to rely on Romo than Brett Hundley? I mean, I, I feel like it is. Let's go around the horn. Wouldn't you make that call if you were a Packers GM? Feels like you could certainly do a lot worse, especially if you listen to Thursday Night Football when Jim Nance and the, the crew there at uh, the NFL Network and CBS put up a video of his final pass in the NFL and Jim Nance comments on it. He comes back and Romo says, was that my last pass? And, of course, that ignited Twitter and everybody started to take to it. I'm not sure Tony Romo is done in his own head, but, man, I would be so sad to lose him in the broadcast booth. Well, he's never going to come that. back. He's going to well, come course. back. I, mean, he, I don't the want rest him to leave life, ever. The rest of his life he's going to be able to do uh, – the, 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 he's only 37, and he's so good in the booth already and so comfortable – that I think it's fair to say that for the next 10 or 20 years or however long he wants to do this, and it seems like a pretty good gig to get paid well, go out, just call the best game of the week for CBS with Jim Nance, who is virtually flawless. He seems really comfortable with that broadcast, and he's so much better than Phil Simms was. And I think he's going to be there for a long time. But I think you have to make a call. I think if if you are the Packers right now, or frankly any other team out there that's having quarterback issues, and you have a traditional pro-style offense, which virtually everybody does in the NFL, why wouldn't you at least inquire about how healthy he is? Now, maybe it's true that he can't take any more hits, and maybe it's true that he decided to leave not just because Dak Prescott had taken over the Dallas Cowboys, but because of his health situation, he didn't have a lot left. All of that could be true as well, but to me, that is a call that certainly is worth having if you're a Packers fan. I mean, wouldn't you do that if you were the Packers? 877-996-6369. Given how difficult it is to find a decent quarterback in this league. And if you think that Tony Romo is somewhat healthy, what's the worst case scenario? You bring in Tony Romo and he gets injured just like Aaron Rodgers did. And then you go back to Brett Hundley. I, I don't see that as being that difficult of a decision to make unless you really believe, and maybe you do, Maybe Mike McCarthy really legitimately believes that Brett Hundley is going to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. If that's the case, then maybe you go ahead and get him a, a shot because Aaron Rodgers is, what, 33 years old? It's not like Aaron Rodgers is infinitely younger in the grand scheme of things than Tony Romo. We're talking about both guys who are in their 30s and have been in the league for a long time. I think this is a no-brainer. I think you absolutely have to make a call to Romo to see whether or not he's interested. What about L.A.? Robert, do you make that call to see whether Romo might be interested to come in to replace Aaron Rodgers? Absolutely. And I actually uh, produced the uh, Sunday afternoon show with Rob Ryan here on Fox Sports Radio. So when Aaron Rodgers went down during the commercial break, that was the first thing I brought up to Coach. And and he actually made an interesting point I want to run by you. He said that Tony Romo would be crazy to take the job, and the reason being that that Packers offensive line is terrible. Well, I mean— if you already have a a, injury history— do you really want to throw yourself into that situation? Yeah, I mean, that that's the question I was kind of asking. If the offensive line is not very good. Now, the flip side is, does Tony Romo feel like he's going to get hurt worse 
I mean, I, I don't know. Is one more hit where he has a, a an injury that's severe going to fundamentally alter his health going forward? I don't know. I think the other thing is it's when you come in in week six, there's still a lot of the NFL season left. I bet that Tony Romo in an ideal situation, I guarantee you, if you gave Tony Romo truth serum and you said, hey, Tony, would you be happy with there being an injury to Dak Prescott? I know you don't want somebody to get hurt, but if Dak Prescott got injured in, let's say, week 13 and the Cowboys were in the mix to make the playoffs, would you be interested in coming back for the final three weeks of the season and potentially to lead them into the playoffs? I think there's no doubt that that certainly would be something that he would be interested in. Now, he would never say it, and he would certainly never say that he's hoping that an injury might happen, but I think there's no doubt that he would be 100% in favor of that happening. Ten weeks in, in, in with the Packers, that's a long time, but I still think that's a call you have to make. And even if the offensive line is bad, that's Romo's call. And I would be stunned if there's not some sort of outreach that actually goes on there. 877-996-6369. I'm Clay Travis. You're listening to Outkick the Coverage. Reacting to Monday Night Football and uh, the game that was, as well as kind of getting you set as we move in towards Week 7 in the quarterback situation in general. Would you make a call to Tony Romo? Would you contemplate that? The Packers have said no. I think we have audio of Mike McCarthy getting upset about the very question. Right, guys? Is that queued up and ready to go? Um, Let's listen to that. Mike McCarthy was asked this exact question. And look, coaches always uh, will dodge answering questions, right? I mean, that's that's part of the job is not giving out any information that you might not want out there. But McCarthy certainly seemed upset by the question. Do you entertain the idea of bringing Colin Kaepernick in to compete for that backup job? Did you just listen to the question I just answered? Okay, I got three years invested in Brett Huntley, two years invested in Joe Callahan. The quarterback room is exactly where it needs to be. So he's not answering the question about Tony Romo exactly, but he's certainly saying no to Colin Kaepernick. And Colin Kaepernick, meanwhile, has filed that grievance, uh, which is a disaster. Uh, I, I actually feel like Colin Kaepernick is just a joke at this point. I mean, he's become an uncomfortable punchline in the NFL with the latest collusion grievance that he's filed. And every time there's a quarterback injury, the media out there is white knighting for Colin Kaepernick. One interesting question for you. How amazing is it that nobody asks about RG3 and everybody asks about Colin Kaepernick? I asked this question yesterday. Aren't they effectively the same quarterback, except RG3 is several years younger? I think Kaepernick turns 30 this year. RG3 is 27. If Aren't they effectively the same quarterback? RG3 is a young guy who was mobile that had immediate success, had one of the greatest rookie seasons in the history of the NFL, uh, and then NFL defense has caught up to him. And they realized that if they could keep him in the pocket, he couldn't consistently make every throw and read the field and be a pocket-passing quarterback, which is ultimately what you have to be in the NFL. Isn't the same thing true of Colin Kaepernick? If you look at Colin Kaepernick's passer rating, it's a regular, straightforward decline. Every year, he's gotten a little bit worse than the year before. And so if you can't, I mean, I've said this for a long time. The only thing that ultimately can't be defended right now consistently in the NFL is an accurate pocket-passing quarterback. Now, you can run like Marcus Mariota when he's healthy can run, like Aaron Rodgers can run, like Russell Wilson can run, but it has to be predicated on everything else falling apart in the pocket and you decide to get outside the pocket and make a play. It can't be the foundation of your offense because ultimately that will be taken away. RG3, it got taken away. Colin Kaepernick, it got taken away. Back in the day, Tim Tebow, Vince Young, it all got taken away. 
if you are a mobile quarterback first and you can't consistently make throws from the pocket, then eventually you get exposed in the NFL. And so everybody's obsessed with Colin Kaepernick, but why is nobody asking the question about RG3? RG3 is not filing a lawsuit based on collision, uh, collusion, alleging that he's not being hired because of his protest. I mean, I got a question for you. If RG3 had taken a knee instead of Colin Kaepernick, is everybody out there white knighting for him, arguing that he should be signed? It is fascinating to me to compare the lack of attention for RG3's free agency versus Colin Kaepernick's. When you look at their data, when you look at their stats over their course of their careers, they're almost identical quarterbacks. Why is one getting all this attention for the last year, everything Colin Kaepernick in the news, and the other is nothing at all? RG3 should have taken a knee, even though his parents are soldiers. If he had, everybody would be out there advocating he should still be in the NFL, as is. He didn't take a knee. Nobody seems to care. 877-996-6369. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage. Your calls will continue to react and unpack week six in the NFL. It's officially off and done. And uh, in hour three, we'll talk to my guy, Petros Papadakis. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Great news. Quick way you could save money, switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Continuing to unpack the NFL Week 6 and discuss, honestly, what I think is a collection of really unfortunate injuries that have all piled up. And as a result, the Green Bay Packers have to decide what to do at the quarterback position. And when you look at their schedule, I mean, if you're out there and you're thinking, okay, what's the best case scenario for Green Bay? Um, I think they're going to get blown out. I think there's a good chance anyway. The, I, I, maybe the most surprising result of last weekend that we just finished was how suddenly the Saints came out and put up 50 points on the Lions, who we thought was a pretty good team. So I think they're going to be able to score on the Packers' defense as well. And then they've got the – like, I just – I don't know that the the Packers can even stay – in the mix. When you look at their overall schedule, yes, they should be able to get past the Bears, although the Bears have already played the Packers somewhat decently, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. All these games kind of run together when you're watching 250-plus of them all season long. The schedule, I mean, they get the Browns. Other than that, the schedule is not that easy for the Packers down the stretch. So is it even possible that they can stay in the mix at 4-2? and two? Could they go, I don't know, Could they? could they find a way to get four and four in the next eight and be eight and six coming into the final two weeks with the chance for potentially Aaron Rodgers to come back. I don't know enough about the kind of surgery that he's having on his, uh, on his collarbone, I believe. Right. But that seems to be something that is really difficult to recover from for whatever reason. Um, And, and also something that easily breaks again. It seems like there's been a bunch of guys who have had collarbone injuries and then followed it up with, uh, with significant injuries on top of that. So uh, I think we basically were unanimous that we would reach out to Aaron Rodgers and at least make an attempt to get him into the locker room. And that's why I said, like, the the fascinating thing to me about all of this is how come we never hear uh, at all about this situation? How come we never hear about anybody other than Colin Kaepernick getting brought in? Now, obviously, the number of quarterbacks out there that are in the mix – um, I think you go after Tony Romo, you make a call. I think you got to make a call to everybody. 
there just aren't that many quarterbacks available out there. Now, for the Titans, there was a lot of talk about whether or not the Titans would sign Kaepernick, and it seems like that's the reason that led him to actually find, file the grievance that he filed. And to me, that never made any sense because if you actually break it down, then the Titans would have had an awkward situation. Brandon Whedon was just coming in as long as Marcus Mariota is hurt. Matt Castle is the backup. Matt Castle played against the uh, against the uh, the Miami Dolphins. And so if you bring in Colin Kaepernick for one week, you're bringing him in not to start. You're getting all the negative attention that comes from signing Colin Kaepernick, but then you're going to release him within a week or two. Brandon Whedon is effectively done. It wasn't like Marcus Mariota was injured for a really long process. So he missed one week. And if you had signed Colin Kaepernick, then you would have brought him in for one week. You would have had all the attention of Colin Kaepernick coming back. You would have alienated a certain amount of your fan base, and they wouldn't have even been playing him. He would have been the backup for Matt Castle. That would have never made any sense. That was not a logical decision to make in that process. And so not exploring Colin Kaepernick for the Titans, I think, actually made sense. Now, if you're the Packers and you're talking about bringing him in for the rest of the season, I think that makes more sense because at least the risk-reward is better there. But you looked up the numbers on RG3 versus Kaepernick. Both of these guys, I would say, are I think it's fair to say, are probably the most proven quarterbacks who aren't presently signed to play in the NFL right now. And their their numbers are actually pretty similar. What numbers do you have for us? I mean, keeping in mind that Kaepernick is about three years older than RG3, so he's been in the league a little bit longer. He's protected the ball better overall, but if you look at some of the other numbers, 28 and 30 overall for Kaepernick, he's 3 and 16 in his last two seasons, 59.8% completion percentage for his career and stopping there. RG3, 15 and 25, he's 3 and 9 in his last two years, which are 2014 and 2016, didn't play because of injury in 2015, 63.3% completion percentage for RG3, so he's about four points higher than Kaepernick in that way. Now, Kaepernick had a pretty good year from a passer rating standpoint last year at 90.7, whereas RG3 was at 72.5. But the only real big difference, not even factoring in the three years, but just looking overall, 42 touchdowns to 26 interceptions for RG3, 72 touchdowns to 30 interceptions for Colin Kaepernick. So he's definitely been more successful in that way. Neither one of them really runs the ball the way they used to. I think they both only had three rushing touchdowns in their last two seasons of work. So they've kind of all, they've kind of both been relegated to being pocket players and pocket passers on bad football teams. Don't you guys at LA think it's a little bit fascinating that for all the attention Colin Kaepernick has gotten as a free agent that nobody talks about RG3? I mean, again, to me, these guys are very similar as players because if you go back and look at RG3's rookie season and even in early into his second season, the RG3 rookie season was as good of a first season as we've ever seen from a quarterback, just about. I think statistically, I don't, I don't even think that's hyperbole. I think that's almost entirely accurate. And then by the time you get to the situation where we are now, then he's got basically the same issue that Colin Kaepernick has, which is I don't think very many NFL teams believe he can be a successful pocket passer. And yet, if you compared the amount of attention that Colin Kaepernick's free agency has gotten compared to RG3's, where still, obviously, there aren't very many quarterbacks left, and they continue to drop like flies out there. By the way, news on Jameis Winston is that he has a sprained AC joint, and they're not sure whether he'll play this week, but at least in theory, he would be available to uh, to be able to go out in the field. It'll just kind of depend on his pain tolerance. If not, 
then Ryan Fitzpatrick will uh, will step in for the Bucks and play as as he finished that Arizona Cardinals game as well. But isn't it that kind of fascinating that there is zero attention being given to RG3, even though he's a free agent and he's on the market, and everybody is obsessed. I mean, the questions that we just heard from the press conference with Mike McCarthy, everybody is obsessed with what is going on with uh, with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, Clay, um, you look at RG3, though, and it really for him, I think that what a lot of teams, they sort of turn away now from him is that he's just so easily injured. I think when he was he went to go sign on with the Browns in one of his first plays, he took off running, and he got just smoked out of bounds, and like he like what he broke a rib or he, he injured totally his shoulder. Totally understand the argument, but yeah. there's not very many people available right now. There's not. I think, though, that with Mike McCarthy, um, they've been down this road before. I think it was 2011 when Rodgers broke his other collarbone, and they went with some of the backups. I, I can't even remember who was there, and they ground was out – yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Was it Matt Flynn at the time? I think that Flynn actually came back and re-signed with the Packers, but at the time, I think that they had originally drafted Scott Tolzien, and, and they may, maybe had another guy, and the three of them ground out. I think they finished 8-7-1 and one that year and ended up making the playoffs, and you really saw McCarthy prove like his real coaching value right there. He would tweak the game plan so that he really all that the quarterbacks he had were playing to their best strengths and you I couldn't like they dropped like three or four in a row but then they started to win these really close like 19 to 14 type games and I think that they need to stick with Hundley because he's been in a very intricate system now for a couple years and he's a big body he can I think he can play at this level I think if you bring in Romo he's just gonna he might actually end up bringing them a couple steps back even though he's a really talented quarterback in his day uh, he just it wouldn't be enough time for him to like learn a, a very intricate offense there in Green Bay. What about you, Robert? What do you think? Are you surprised that for all the attention Kaepernick gets, that nobody really talks about RG three? A little bit, yeah. I mean, like Sam said, I mean the the injury risk is is obviously a big thing. But, but he's far, three years far, younger. Yeah, but you know, being twenty seven, as... I mean, he still is. I mean, arguably not even necessarily hit his athletic peak, and uh, and he's obviously should be, I think, fairly healthy because he hasn't taken that many hits in the last several years. Yeah, I mean, well, he did get hurt last year. Um, but as far as on the field when they're both, you know, available, I mean, is there really that much of a difference between Kaepernick and, and, and RG3? It's kind of – I am surprised there hasn't been more buzz about uh, getting Griffin back in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it is it is crazy because if you had come on after his rookie year – if I had come on this show, if we'd been doing it, and I had said, hey, guys, I know RG3 just had the greatest rookie year, and I think that statistically is true. I think RG3 had basically the greatest rookie passing year in the history of the NFL. If you had come on and said, hey, uh, I know he's only 22 years old, I think it was about right, and he's the rookie of the year, and he took the Redskins to the playoff, but I feel like I'm making a prediction here. RG3 is going to be basically out of the league by the time he's 26 years old. Everybody would have said, you're crazy, that he would be gone by the age of 26. Is he never going to get another chance in the NFL? I mean, again, he's only 27 years old. That would be unfortunate if he did not get another chance. Yeah, he's only 27. And honestly, maybe he just finds a team where he finally gets some protection. He doesn't take off as much. He just maybe throws from the pocket. I absolutely think he should get another shot. I just think it's it's an amazing story that he doesn't get any attention compared to Colin Kaepernick, who is is covered as if he is the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. Let's bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia. Let's get an update. Uh, Titans got the big win. Obviously, the Yankees made the uh, ALCS a little bit more interesting. Yeah, that's right. Game three of the American League Championship Series in New York. Saw the Yankees bounce back from being down two games to nothing 
having lost the first two games in Houston. They beat the Astros easily 8-1. Todd Frazier had a three-run homer in the second. Aaron Judge a three-run shot in the fourth inning. That was all the run support that starter CC Sabathia needed. He tossed six shutout innings, allowed just three hits in picking up the win. Now Houston still has the 2-1 series lead, but the Yankees are back in it. They'll be right back on the field today in the Bronx. Game four coming up later today at 5 o'clock Eastern time. Week six in the NFL came to a close on Monday night in Nashville. Titans beat the Colts 36-22. Marcus Mariota back on the field from that hamstring injury pass for over 300 yards. Had a late 53-yard touchdown pass in the fourth quarter to seal that win. Titans snap an 11-game losing streak to the Colts, and they're now at 3-3, three three, tied with Jacksonville and Houston for the AFC South lead. In the NFL, talking about news now, Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers is going to have surgery for a broken collarbone and will miss a significant amount of time there. Not ready to say he's done for the season at this point. The Packers head coach Mike McCarthy says the team is going forward with backup Brett Hundley, not looking to add another quarterback from outside the organization. This report's brought to you by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, there was an interesting article written by Tracy Ringlesby. He writes for MLB.com and Baseball America. He says he thinks there's some pretty major changes coming to baseball soon, including adding two new teams, division realignment, a shortened regular season, and two more playoff teams. And as far as the teams that could be added or the cities that could get Major League Baseball, Montreal, of course, they had the Expos not that long ago, Mexico City, and Charlotte. I was going to ask you, is there any appetite for Major League Baseball in Nashville? Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's been talked about for a while because I think there's been discussion about potentially Tampa Bay losing their team. And uh, the challenge, I think I think Nashville's in line to get an MLS team. And they're talking about building a brand-new stadium for MLS, I don't think that there's a way they could get all four. But the, the 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 cool thing about if Nashville could gotten a team like the Rays is there are a lot of NL teams around this part of the country, right? Whether it's the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Braves, I mean, all within kind of a three-and-a-half-hour drive or so uh, in Cincinnati, uh, all from Nashville, you know, where it's not too far. And obviously Chicago's a little bit farther than that, but it's all, it's all NL teams. And so the, the talk was that it would have been cool to have – an American League team kind of in this part of the country because again you got the Cardinals you got the Cubs you got the the Reds and you got the Braves all NL teams kind of surrounding here uh but uh but that's interesting too I haven't even heard that much talk about the expansion process in Major League Baseball is that you think that's a real deal you think they're going to expand and add two teams uh, it was a surprise to me uh, as well. I know that, you know, a lot of the teams, remember they, everybody wanted to get on in Vegas, you know, the NHL's now there and the NFL with the Raiders moving there. I think now the big thing is is getting, you know, Mexico City seems to be a big uh, destination for teams looking to expand outside of the United States. Obviously, baseball's very popular in Mexico, so maybe that makes sense. And I know Montreal has been clamoring that they want to get their team back again. So I, I haven't heard too much talk about that. And talking about shorting the season for baseball, I, I thought something that that's something they should have done a long time ago. And to think that they're actually considering that now is pretty amazing. I'll believe it when I see I, it. When I, you can make here. more money, yeah, same here. then it's it's rare that we've seen anything where there's less of. I mean, the does the NBA start today? Is that correct? Yes, the NBA that's correct. Start? Like that's yep. the season that of all the sports that I think should be shortened. I think the NBA there's there's basically no purpose to basketball in October. I don't know why we – again, if I were like the czar of the sports schedule, I wouldn't start the NBA season until Christmas Day, and I would extend it all the way into July. That, to me, makes the most sense because we have so many summer events when there's nothing going on. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier as well – 
Don't let the name fool you. Dollar Shave Club has way more than just razors. Try their first month starter set with travel size shave butter, body cleanser, butt wipes, and an executive razor, all for just $5. After that, replacement cartridges ship for just a few bucks a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash outkick. Hanging out here with you on a, a Tuesday in October. And um, we're kind of breaking down the situation in the NFL as we come up a third of the way through the season. Went through the top five, bottom five. Talked a lot about the Titans win over the Colts. When is Andrew Luck going to officially be back? Nobody seems to know for sure. Uh, But the Colts have managed to stay somewhat in the mix for sure in the AFC South where everybody is within either tied right now like the Jags, the Texans, and the Titans are uh, in the wake of Monday Night Football last night or just one game out like uh, like the Colts are. But... What exactly is going to happen now? Because there are hardly any quarterbacks left on the sideline. Colin Kaepernick has filed his grievance against the NFL. RG3 is out there. And you were pointing out something uh, off air here, Jason Martin, about RG3 and maybe why he's not getting as much attention. I mean, I think that one thing that you have to at least mention in this discussion is that for a long time, RG3 has been suspected. I've read that in numerous reports. Of being a Republican. Suspected, as if it's a bad thing, but of being a Republican. He certainly seems to be conservative-leaning. I think he at least dated a a white woman that that caused a little bit of a problem a few years ago as well. And I believe that that doesn't ingratiate him to the media. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt anymore because of his, his politics are quiet, despite the fact that he's apparently known to be pretty active behind the scenes. He's also a devout evangelical, which is not something that's probably going to endear him either to the media. But if you want to look past the stats, past the numbers, past all of those things, that might be one reason. Because there's a lot of folks in the media that I think are rooting for Colin Kaepernick for every reason other than football. Whereas RG3, they can point to football and say he's not that good and then they have nothing else with which to identify him in a positive light. I just, look, I mean, I think that that's probably the only distinction. I mean, unless you want to say that the reason why RG3 is not getting attention is because he's injury prone. The fact that the media, I think, is rooting for Colin Kaepernick and aggressively white knighting, as I'm saying, like trying to carry the banner for Colin Kaepernick, even though he's a pretty crappy quarterback and nobody is out there advocating for RG3 or even discussing him. In fact, I bet as many of you are driving to work today, you're like, man, I totally forgot that RG3 is completely out of the league. And again, we ran through the data on the stats. I mean, they're almost identical in terms of quarterback rating uh, rating over the the length of their careers. And if anything, RG3 is three years younger. So you would think if you're going to take a risk on a quarterback, I believe Colin Kaepernick turns 30, maybe even this month. So you'd think if you were going to take a risk on a quarterback, you would take a risk on a younger quarterback as opposed to an older quarterback. And I've asked this question before, but it's it's pretty much true. Outside of Kurt Warner, it's very rare that you find a quarterback who has been let go by any team. And by the way, remember that the San Francisco 49ers allowed Colin Kaepernick to opt out of his contract. Now, they may have been about to release him anyway, But Kaepernick opted out of his contract and allowed himself to become a free agent. And the 49ers probably, now I I know they're going to start C.J. Beathard, I believe, but the the 49ers are arguably in as bad of a position at quarterback right now as any team in the NFL, and they released Colin Kaepernick. And remember, Colin Kaepernick got beaten out by Blaine Gabbard. And so when you look at the available quarterbacks out there, I do think it's interesting that nobody sits down and and quizzes Mike McCarthy 
about whether they're considering bringing in RG3 instead of promoting Brett Hundley to starting quarterback. I, I just think that's utterly fascinating. And the only reason why I can think why the media is asking all these questions about Kaepernick and not saying anything at all about RG3 is because the media wants a lot of the left-leaning uh, media that covers sports wants R- RG3 they don't care about because he's like he, he doesn't fulfill their political agenda. But instead, they want a guy like Colin Kaepernick to be on an NFL roster. 877-996-6369. We'll take your calls. Final uh, segment of Hour 2 coming up next. In Hour 3, we'll go to my guy Petros Papadakis. We'll touch base on the world at large in the L.A. sports scene as the Dodgers try to go ahead and advance to the World Series up 2 nothing now on the Chicago Cubs. Game 3 is tonight. We'll find out what exactly is going on in the city of Angels. I am Clay Travis. You are listening to Outkick the Coverage here on iHeartRadio. Great news. Quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could save 15% or more on car insurance. We've done this a couple of times, but we have uh, Outkick shirts up. We're going to donate the proceeds to uh, to people in need. And we did it for the state of Texas during the hurricane. We did it for the state of Florida. We now have Outkick California shirts so if you are interested, we're going to donate the proceeds to, I mean, I, I was reading all about this uh, this situation, a lot of you in uh, Northern California and the uh, San Francisco area who've been impacted by the wildfires. I mean, it's unbelievable uh, what happened there and uh, and how little time people had to make decisions, how fast the fire was moving. And so there have been a lot of people burned out. There have been a lot of people killed. Uh, it's an awful story that I think honestly has not gotten as much media attention as it should have. So uh, we're doing a very small part, but the same thing we did for the state of Florida and the state of Texas. We have Outkick California shirts. Um, you can go on Outkick.com. If you buy those shirts, all the proceeds from those shirts will go to uh, relief for people who have been uh, impacted by that uh, that awful. I mean, again, the, the story, I think, when you consider how much attention is paid to a hurricane in, in Houston and in, uh, sorry, in the Houston area, but state of Texas and also all over Florida and how little attention I think in general has gone to the wildfire situation in California, we'll give a little bit of help. Uh, we're doing that right now. You can go check out those shirts at Outkick and all the proceeds. I think they're twenty nine ninety nine, but all of the proceeds from those shirts uh, will go towards uh, relief uh, help out in the state of California. Uh, other bit of news. I'm curious what you guys think about this. So I'm about to. I'm going to hit 500,000 Twitter followers today. You can go follow me at, at Clay Travis on Twitter. And I try to read my mentions, but as I'm approaching 500,000 uh, Twitter followers, my mentions are almost just like a minefield. I mean, there's just so much going on in there, and I haven't really blocked that many people um, in the grand scheme of things. But I'm thinking about implementing a new rule on my Twitter feed, which is, one, I will block you if I just read something that you said and you're so incredibly stupid that I don't want to interact with you anymore. Or two, if you tweet me way too much. Like, if you tweet me like 10 or 15 consecutive times, I'm not even going to read it. I'm just going to see how many times you've tweeted me and just block you. Is that a violation of my don't-be-a-pussy-willow lifestyle? I want to get you guys' verdicts on this. Jason Martin coming in. I'll start with you. Is that a violation of my DBAP lifestyle? If I start blocking people more aggressively on Twitter because I actually try and read my mentions. And if there are that many people blowing them up and we're getting thousands a day now uh, on there, it's almost impossible to read them 
And so my new standard might be, right now I only block people if they make threats uh, towards me or the family or it's just like excessive profanity. Like if you just curse at me 10 straight times, why would I allow you to do that? And I'm trying to read my mentions. So what do you think? Should I expand my blocking criteria? It's tough, man, because your entire DBAP philosophy and your entire First Amendment philosophy would indicate the marketplace of ideas. I guess maybe your marketplace of ideas, at some point, you finally cross a line where your commentary does nothing to improve discourse at all, and it just causes problems, whether it's threats or bad language or just not being able to make cogent points or whatever like that. I generally don't block anybody unless it's just completely ridiculously offensive that's where you know that's where I draw the line because I just don't want to see that in my timeline. So if that's where who you are, then that's not something that I need in my life. I'm at five hundred thousand. I think I probably blocked about five hundred people over the years. So ninety nine point nine percent of people have no issue. And a lot of times people get in arguments, and I'm like, hey, just untag me. Like I have zero interest in seeing like two yeah, or three that. guys go back and forth with me not involved at all, just arguing. Like I, I don't have any interest in that. But to me, the, the Twitter feed is a little bit like somebody protesting outside of your house. In the same way, like, you can have whatever opinion you want, but I don't want you on my front lawn arguing your opinion. And, and frankly, it's very rare. that I, I don't even know that it ever happens that somebody who is in an aggressive fashion thinks of an argument that I haven't already thought of. So I, what I love to read my mentions for is I like to be able to go through and see what everybody's saying, right? Like a lot, like if there's stories that I might otherwise miss, I appreciate you guys coming in and hopping in. You can find me at, at, on Twitter at Clay Travis and letting me know, hey, Clay, make sure you don't miss this. I mean, in general, like I said, most of the interactions are pretty good, but my timeline's just getting too clogged, and we're growing with this show and also on social media at such a rapid fashion we're adding you know a thousand people or more every day it seems like now and i think partly that's just a function of having hit five hundred thousand twitter follower areas like the numbers just turn over faster what do you guys think in la is that a pussy willow move by me to start blocking people more aggressively a thousand percent it's a pussy willow move by you see i disagree see clay but the thing is you could have totally avoided the situation by just hitting the mute button instead of block and then it mm-hmm. would it would do the same thing yeah, but the mute button isn't ideal because when you mute somebody, they're still tweeting you incessantly, and they still show up in your um, in like the comments, right? No. So to me, if you are a total loser, why should I allow you to be able to be seen by my followers, right? Like if you are to me, if you are a total loser, it's almost like you're protesting on my lawn because to me, my Twitter feed is my universe. And so I'm fine with people disagreeing and all those things, but I don't need like 10 consecutive tweets from you. Like I almost immediately am going to start blocking people when they're like, hey, I disagree with you. Here's, you know, like tweet. And then they start to number them. They're like number one, two, three, four, five. Hey, I don't care, right? Like I have zero interest in you sending me six tweets in a row to give me your opinion. That's not what Twitter was created for. If you want to send me an email, I have a public email address as well. Jeff Schwartz is listening right now. He'll be on tomorrow. He said, set your notifications to only allow people who follow you to show up in your mentions. That'll help with the traffic. See, that's the problem. Like, I go in. Uh, uh, that, that's, that's not a bad idea. That's, a, that's actually a really good suggestion. Jeff Schwartz coming in, listening. Uh, uh, he'll be on tomorrow. Former NFL offensive lineman. Maybe just solving a big problem for me. That's actually pretty outstanding. 
So only people who follow me would I see. That's not bad. Uh, 877-996-6369. Take a couple of your calls. I'm talking to uh, Petros Papadakis out in L.A. We'll discuss everything that's going on with the Dodgers playoff run and more. We'll also reset Monday Night Football and my big blood bank guarantee win as we start Hour 3 here on OutKick on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in, OutKick the Coverage, hour number three. I hope all of you are having spectacular Tuesday mornings. Thank you for hanging with us here. We're coming to you live from the Geico OutKick studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. As well, Duralast batteries designed to stand up to even the most extreme weather conditions. They're built with patented technology to reduce damage due to vibration and deliver the most power during startup. They're proven tough and sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Last night, I was at Monday Night Football, the Indianapolis Colts on the road here in Nashville against Tennessee Titans. It was a really interesting game. Uh, I I thought fascinating on many levels. Uh, The number one story, how healthy to me, was Marcus Mariota going to be playing with that hamstring injury that caused him to miss the Dolphins game last weekend. And also, could the Titans finally end an 11-game losing streak to the Colts? Anybody who follows the NFL knows it's almost impossible to lose 11 straight games to another team, especially if it's not, for instance, uh, pardon, uh, pardon the pain here, but if it's not a game like the Patriots against, say, the Jets. It's hard for one team, if they're not an incredible team, and the other team is not just awful, to have an 11-game winning streak in the NFL. That's nearly six years. And so the fact that the Titans couldn't beat the Colts was a uh, a pretty defeating mindset in general. And here, especially with Andrew Luck out and the Colts bringing in Jacoby Brissett, it would have been particularly problematic if the Titans had lost this game. But tied up at 22, my guy Marcus Mariota, who you guys know if you listen to this show, I am a firm believer in. I believe he is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, last year, he had a stretch where he was the best quarterback in the league for about six weeks, if you look at the at the data. So far this year, he was injured. He hasn't looked great. Titans have been very up and down. And like I said, Mariota didn't play last weekend against the Dolphins. But it's 22-22. This is the kind of game you have to win if you want to contend to make the playoffs and potentially win the AFC South. And this is what happened. Tied up 22 with a couple, about five and a half minutes to play. This happened. Mariota, play fake. Looking. Throwing deep. There's Taylor at the 10, at the 5, in the end zone. Touchdown, Titans. Tay Juan Taylor, 53 yards. That's the Titans radio network. Mike Keith on the call there. Now. A lot of others of you out there across the nation know that I love to gamble. I give you gambling picks every Friday. Well, as I broke down this game, I got more and more confident that the Titans were going to win by double figures. And so I uh, went on my show in the afternoon on Periscope and Facebook Live, and I said, buy this one down because the line was, at least on my place, right at seven. So literally the Titans are a seven-point favorite. When I see a line right around seven, what I like to do is buy it down frequently to six and a half because so many games end on a seven-point line. So I went on and I said, guys, look, I think the Titans are going to win this game by double digits, but go ahead and buy it down to six and a half. Many people do not listen to me, even if you continue to gamble, and some people got seven or seven and a half, so which meant with about 45 seconds to play, many of you who had the Titans 
plus, uh, minus seven and a half, uh, were going to lose this game. Certainly, a lot of you out there had the Colts plus seven and a half, and you were feeling pretty confident. You were just ready for that game to end. Derrick Henry takes the ball, and this happens. Henry down the sidelines. 30, 20, 10, 5, end zone. Touchdown, Titans. Derrick Henry, 72 yards for the exclamation point. Now, the play there for the safest move is probably just to take a knee, but Derrick Henry took it all the way to the house. Titans end up winning 36-22. Blood Bank guarantee covers, and of course, I look like a genius, which is always lovely. A little bit surprised that Derrick Henry did not take a knee there uh, because the game would have ended. The Titans could have taken one more snap, but God bless him for making me look like a genius by guaranteeing the double-digit win. Now, every single Tuesday, and I've said a lot of ridiculousness, you can go download the uh, the podcast today. I'm playing on about two and a half hours sleep because I had to drive back all the way uh, from the game and everything else. And then by the time you get home, you know, if you watch a game and you're excited that your team finally won, it's tough to go to sleep. Everything else, anyway, two and a half hours sleep or so, which is why I'm I'm blaming that on the fact that I said that Brett Favre was injured as opposed to Aaron Rodgers. You can probably go back and find a litany of errors in today's show based on my brain not working as well as it normally does. Moreover, as soon as we finish this, I got to go sit down at my desk and do the anonymous mailbag. So there's no telling how much of a mess that's going to be. Uh, also on virtually no sleep, and then I'll do an afternoon show at 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific on Periscope and Facebook Live. If you guys enjoy this show and you're not watching that show or getting the podcast, I guarantee you'll enjoy that as well. But every single Tuesday, we do the top five, bottom five in the NFL. And I got to tell you, I'm going to start off with the bottom five um, for people waking up across the country. The bottom five is actually not that difficult. I think most people would agree on which teams are not very good. And uh, those bottom five teams are the Colts, the Bears, the Giants, the 49ers, and the Browns. Now, the 49ers, I think, are substantially better than the Browns because even though the 49ers are 0-6, they've been competitive in every game that they've lost, whereas the Browns are just falling apart. Hugh Jackson now 1-21 in his first 22 games as the head coach of the Browns. I don't know how many more games he's going to be allowed to coach. The Titans travel up to Cleveland this coming weekend and uh, we'll see whether the Titans can make it 0-7 for the Browns or whether they can choke away that game. But top five in the NFL right now, it's getting hard because there's so much of a cluster right now in the NFL uh, in the NFL divisions and in the NFL in general. This weekend that just passed, a lot of craziness happened. Whether it was the awful call that was made in the Patriots-Jets game, whether it was the Steelers going on the road and basically holding the Chiefs without hardly any offensive yardage in the whole first half, whether the Giants without any wide receivers at all going on the road and beating the Broncos. I'm not sure even which games to point to as the most surprising. But to me, the top five right now, I've still got the Chiefs number one overall in the NFL. I've got the Chiefs number one, even though they looked awful against the Steelers. And I've got them number one because they beat the Eagles head-to-head. So my top two... And I think just about everybody who's paying attention to the NFL right now would have to agree. Number one team in the NFL right now, Chiefs. Number two team, the Eagles. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who wouldn't say those are the top two teams in the NFL right now. And then you move on, and it turns into a total cluster. I've got the Carolina Panthers at third, uh, just based off the fact that of their last three games, the Panthers were great on the road against the Patriots. They were great on the road against the 
uh, Detroit Lions. And now, even though they got beat by the Eagles at home, I still think the Panthers with good cam when he's playing well are a top five team. Then I've got the Steelers. And it's probably a function of how uh, much of a mess the NFL has been that the Steelers, who have lost at home to both the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Chicago Bears, are my fourth best team in the NFL right now, sitting at a 4-2 and two record. And then I've got the Rams sliding into the five spot. I mean, that may be crazy, but they're coming off back-to-back road wins. They got the win on the road in Dallas. They got the, road, uh, the win on the road in Jacksonville. That was a very competitive game that they lost against the Seahawks. In fact, if you go back and you change one play in that game, and maybe Jared Goff dials it back just a little bit on the third down throw, I believe it was, to Cooper Cup. Am I correct in that, that he was trying to hit Cooper Cup and the ball just went off of Cup's hands right there? I mean, otherwise, that's a touchdown. And right now, we would have a situation where the uh, the Rams would have a prohibitive lead right now in the NFC West. I mean, they would be orders of magnitude above everybody else. Instead, that ball ricochets off Cooper Cup's hands. The uh, the touchdown pass doesn't happen for Jared Goff or the Rams. That's the only difference between the Rams being five and one, and the uh, and the Seahawks being three and three or two and three. I'm not sure if they played six games yet, but regardless, that would be a tremendous outcome. So I've got that as the top five right now. Now, Jason Martin, you had a different team in your top five. Yeah, five, and I think we had another one uh, out of whack. I had Chiefs, Eagles, then Steelers, and Panthers, and I've got New England at five because for all of what we've seen that's been problematic, they've still got Tom Brady, they've still got Rob Gronkowski, they've still got Bill Belichick, and they are four and two. Now, if they didn't get by the Jets, I might have felt differently, and how Jets is it that in a year where there's going to be great quarterbacks coming out, they're positioning themselves to potentially not be in a position to take one of the ones that you would want if you're a Jets fan of all the years for them to like outkick if you want to just borrow the brand for a second this is the wrong year to do it so it's perfect for the Jets but the Patriots look I just don't see anybody else has really established it the Rams have looked good and they're right on the outside of my list looking in and they're you know I think the Vikings are kind of there as well a little bit although I just don't know I think if they had Dalvin Cook I might have had him at five but losing him for the season certainly hurts he's just another one of the big injuries this season that we've already seen but I just need to see a little bit more from the Rams because I don't know who they've beaten yet that I find to be particularly good yeah they beat the Cowboys but I think we figured out now Cowboys aren't that good because Denver beat them pretty handily Denver got handled by 13 points by the Giants on Sunday night. The Seahawks, I don't know that the Seahawks are all that good either, even though they're 3-2 and two right now. So there's just a lot of mediocrity. There's a lot of four-win teams. There's a lot of three-win teams. So if I have to make a tiebreaker, I'm going to go with potentially the best quarterback in the history of the game and the best coach in the history of the game uh, in my top five if I have to find a way to split hairs. I think in general, um, honestly – the Rams have been, and I would. It's it's crazy, and I think kind of a, an emblematic of how so so far the NFL season has been hard to predict. I think the Rams through six games have been better than the Patriots through six games, and I would defy you to find anybody out there other than maybe Sean McVay's dad and mom, and maybe Jared Goff's dad and mom who would have ever believed that that was possible, or would have made that argument if we had opened up phone lines and said, "Hey, give me your prediction, your crazy prediction." for the NFL season, that the Patriots, who were by far the prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl, are nowhere near as good as we anticipated and that the Rams are infinitely better. Now, through six weeks, 
a lot can change uh, as the season progresses. But through six weeks, uh, that is the story. There's no doubt at all. And I got to tell you, now that we're through six weeks in the NFL, it's time for you to make a smart decision. It's Tuesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, there won't be another game until Thursday night in the NFL. And I guarantee you that a lot of you out there promised your wives that you were going to take care of errands around the house this past weekend. And you said, okay, I got this, babe. I'll take care of it. And then what did you do? You drank beer and you sat and you watched the NFL and you watched college football all day Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And as a result, you did not take care of what your wife asked you to do or your girlfriend asked you to do around the house. And that means it's probably time for you to make up for the fact that you're not as good of a husband or boyfriend as you promised that you would be. And I'll tell you how to do it. Go get a brand new mattress. Right now with Casper. My guys at Casper, it's almost Halloween. And Casper, just like the ghost, C-A-S-P-E-R, go to Casper.com right now. Put in the code OUTKICK. Put in the code OUTKICK right now. Oh, sorry. The code has changed. The code has changed. Red alert. Red alert. The code has changed. The code is now CLAY. We had to change the code because so many of you were Alabama fans and you were unable to spell OUTKICK. So now the code is CLAY. C-L-A-Y. If you cannot spell this, you are an imbecile. C-L-A-Y is the code. You get $50 off your mattress purchase if you put in the code CLAY, C-L-A-Y, at Casper.com. C-A-S-P-E-R.com. Go get a mattress today. They'll deliver it to your house. It will come right to your door, and you can try it for 100 days and find out whether or not that mattress is right for you. 100-day guarantee. Try it out. Go to Casper.com. You told your wife you were going to take care of everything on her to-do list. You didn't do it. Now, surprise her and order a mattress. She's been begging for you to get one, a brand-new one, for a while. Do it today and surprise her by the weekend. You'll have a brand-new mattress in the house. Use the code CLAY, and you save 50 bucks. I love you guys. That's how you know, because I'm saving you money on the brand-new mattress. Get it done today. Casper.com. Great news. Quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. As well, with TrueCar, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, and on average, save over three grand off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Petros Papadakis joins us now. He's on 570 AM, the Dodger flagship, and more out in Los Angeles, where many of you are listening to us as you start off your mornings out there in L.A. And Petros, you're a L.A. lifelong resident. What is it like right now with the Dodgers two games away from the World Series? It's like I told you it would be, Clay. The city's on fire with blue flames of Latino (laughs) excitement. And Greeks and everybody else, too. We love it. It's a pretty exciting time. What do you remember about 1988? I was 10 years old. I was on my mother's bed. Uh, We were watching the game. My brother, my mother, and I, my dad was down at the restaurant working. Uh, He hit the home run. We had Vin's call. And you could, I mean, I didn't live in, like, a a city with, like, fire escapes and stuff. (laughs) It wasn't Manhattan. The neighborhood in California, but... People were running around and screaming in the streets, and you could hear people uh, just yelling. Uh, it was it was the biggest sports moment in the history of this city. Now, I would not compare 
the Kurt Gibson home run. I mean, it was a Dodger home run. It was in the playoffs. It was at Dodger Stadium. It ended the game. You know, all those things are, are similar. It was on the anniversary, 29 years later. But it, it was in the NLCS. It was kind of more like Robert Ory's big shot at Staples Center, uh, which was against the Sacramento Kings in the conference finals. Kind of, kind of similar. It was that sort of excitement. I remember that with that Laker game too. So it, it's a, it's a great time, and a, peop, a lot of people are counting their chickens right now with the Dodgers. So hopefully, it doesn't come back to bite us all in the ass. So what is about the the vibe then? Uh, they're up 2-0, Dodgers are. Obviously, last year the Cubs win the World Series in their long drought. Nowhere near as long of a drought in L.A. But how much confidence would you say there is for Game 3 tonight? Too much. <laughs> With yeah. you, Darvish, going against Hendricks. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think people should have their fun. It's It's been since 1988. The city is desert-ass thirsty for a World Series appearance. And hopefully they get it. I, I don't know if that'll be enough. I, I feel like it might be just because it's been so long since the Dodgers have been in the World Series. I, I might have told you this last week. I mean, Colorado's been to the World Series. The Padres have been to the World Series. The Giants have won three uh, since the Dodgers have been there. I mean, it, it's been a long time. When you look uh, at the L.A. sports landscape in general, um there is obviously the NBA starting as well. I would argue, and I know you said you've covered him a decent amount, I would argue that Lonzo Ball has not been that covered at all ever since the draft itself happened back in June. Has that been the case in L.A. too? How much excitement is there? Obviously, the Dodgers are on a roll. The Lakers are also about to start their new season, and they've got a guy by the name of Lonzo Ball that's probably their biggest draft pick. I mean, God, I mean, you tell me. I mean, going back 20 years? I mean, I know Kobe, Kobe was big, but it, but he wasn't necessarily expected to be as good immediately as Lonzo is because Kobe was just 18. I know Lonzo's just 19, but he was traded for. He wasn't as high of a pick. Maybe it go go all the way back to Kobe, but, I mean, that kind of puts into perspective the expectations for Lonzo. Oh, the expectations for Lonzo are through the roof, and there's no way. I mean, even if he is great, there's no way he's going to be able to meet them. Uh, you just mentioned Kobe Bryant. You know, Kobe Bryant didn't play for a while after he got drafted. You're absolutely right. There is a tremendous amount of undue pressure on Lonzo Ball. And you're right, Clay. The city's gone quiet on Lonzo, mostly because he's not playing. He just hasn't been playing. And the season starts this week. And they'll play against the Clippers. And if Lonzo Ball plays, guess who's going to defend him? Patrick Beverly is going to be in his freaking dish for the whole game, all the yeah. way up and down the floor, every foot of that floor. So uh, it, you know he might get exposed. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they'll have some exciting moments. He's an exciting player, but there's no way he can be what everybody needs him to be in order for him to live up to the hype. You know, his dad's going to be running around squawking. The middle kid is at UCLA right now. Nobody talks about him at all. That's kind of depressing. And then you have the younger one that they just pulled out of school. And I was a middle child. Everybody hated me, too. I, I, I sympathize. <laughs> it is amazing. I've got three boys, and my middle kid, he's just – I mean, I didn't – I had a younger sister, so we had no middle. And it's amazing how, like, the middle kid is just obsessed with fairness and everything else. And uh, 
and that poor middle kid has got nowhere near the talent of his older or younger brothers. And by the way, I should mention, Lonzo Ball getting drafted was a big story. So was the NBA, uh, the, 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 uh, the Summer League down in Las Vegas. I mean, those That was numbers. a big story. And then you know what happened? The, the Clippers, I'm not saying the Clippers are eclipsing the Lakers or anything like that, but just as far as highlights go, uh, the Clippers got this guy from Europe, the best player in Europe, everybody says, Milos Teodosic. Big fan and right of off Milos. the bat, he started throwing passes like uh, Pistol Pete Maravich in a couple <laughs> right. of these games. And, and that was what everybody was kind of focused on basketball-wise in town for a couple weeks at least. We're talking to Petro, Petros Papadakis. We got him up early uh, in L.A. Appreciating getting up with us every Tuesday as he does, 5.70 a.m. You guys can hear him in the afternoon. You uh, know a lot about the Pac-12, having played there and called a lot of those games over the years. What yeah, I know so much that I told you Washington yeah, was great. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I mean, I was stunned. I couldn't stay up. These these 1045 Eastern kickoffs for Washington, like I fell asleep in my bed on Saturday night like an old man with that game on television. But I did stay up, and, and the same thing, by the way, with Washington State with the late kickoff on Friday. Which of those games surprised you more? Washington State getting upset by Cal or Washington getting upset by Arizona State? It's a great question. Uh, first of all, I don't think Washington State I can't say Washington State because I'm not sure that they even showed up in Berkeley to play that game. I'm, I'm still waiting for Mike Leach's guys to take the field in Strawberry Canyon. I, it's I was, 37-3 was a beatdown of epic proportions. Well, not only that, Clay, uh, you have to look at how many yards total. I don't, think, I don't think Cal had 100 yards total up at Washington the previous week. So you right. have to give uh, Coach Wilcox credit. Justin Wilcox really got less, uh, got more with a lot less uh, in this Cal game against Washington State, and Washington State was just certainly horrible. Uh, the Washington game absolutely blew me away. Maybe it shouldn't because I've seen Todd Graham catch a rhythm, uh, blitzing a guy and causing trouble for an offense and win games that way. Now, they, lost, they missed their two field goals, but it should have never been that close. But uh, I thought Washington was a lot better, more mature football team that wasn't going to lose a game like that on the road in conference to an inferior opponent. Now, give Todd Graham credit. Give Arizona State credit. They have some really talented players. They really do, like Nikhil Harry and Demario Richard. I mean, those guys can play. So I I guess I was just more shocked at Washington because I thought that they were really special this year. We're talking to Petros Papadakis. Do you think you've talked for a long time about how, and I love this, by the way, because college football is a great regional sport. It's the last of our regional sports. Tribal. Tribal, exactly right. Whatever part of the country you grew up in, you think the football is best there. And you love to talk about how, to you, USC Notre Dame was the best rivalry in college football. What makes it such a great rivalry, and what do you think is going to happen? USC survived Utah narrowly. Uh, Kyle Whittingham goes for two there late, does not get it. Do you think USC has got a good game saved up for Notre Dame, or are they going to continue to be what they've been throughout the season with maybe the expectation of the Stan- exception of the Stanford game, which is a really erratic team? Yeah, yeah, and what that's really their identity. You know, their identity is to been uh to have been erratic. Now, uh going up there and playing a football game with that uniform on, 
you know, uh, I can tell you bring something out of a team uh, in both teams, sometimes good, sometimes bad. So I have no idea, you know, how they're going to perform in the game. When Sam Darnold's your quarterback, I mean, I thought Utah made the right decision going for two at the end of that game because you just don't want to put the guy back on the field. He got hot in the second half. Obviously, he's turning the ball over a great deal. But USC doesn't have an identity, and that's not because of the players. That's because of the coaches. And Notre Dame is Notre Dame. I think it'll be a great football game to watch. But to sit here and try to predict it at this point when USC just is baffling, uh, especially on offense, it is going to be tough for me. Uh, I do think it's a great rivalry, but ever since I used to argue with you about it every night for years, <laughs> uh, it's kind of sneaking up on me this year, and I, I, have, I haven't woken up the echoes yet, and I'm still really pissed off that Brian Kelly changed the turf at Notre Dame. What was that like for people who maybe haven't spent – and again, that's why I think college football is so great and why it's fun to kind of get to experience different parts of the country is you get to understand why rivalries matter more. I married a girl from Michigan, so I understand a lot of the Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State rivalries in a way that I wouldn't have if I hadn't uh, spent a lot of time in Michigan. I'm, I'm fortunate. Obviously, I grew up in the South around SEC football, but I got to spend a lot of time with you guys out in L.A. kind of covering USC and paying attention to Big Pac-12 games. What is it, for people who aren't familiar necessarily, a lot of people out there think, oh, USC, Texas, they are US, sorry, USC, Notre Dame, they just think about the Bush push, right? Uh, I, oh. I think that's the game that everybody remembers more than any other. I know you were there for that one. But what is it about USC and Notre Dame that makes that rivalry so special for people from SC or from Notre Dame? Well, first of all, I was at Washington State watching the Bush push on TV. Oh, okay. In yes. the press box. <laughs> yes. Uh, Second of all, I you know to me there's a lot of history involved, and it goes way way past uh, 2005. Obviously, it goes to a coach named Howard Jones and Newt Rockney. Howard Jones' wife uh, likes seeing autumn in the Indiana Midwest kind of area, so they played it in October in the uh, odd years during the even years. Uh, Newt Rockney's wife had family in L.A., so they would come out for Thanksgiving. Uh, it was By the way, that's a really cool story, kind of giving you a sense for college football parochially, because it was very rare that you would have teams from this far apart play each other. You know, right? It was a train, school. and you know, LA, uh, USC. When they would beat Notre Dame, they would come into Union Station uh, in LA, right across the street from Philippe's, and uh, they'd have a parade down Broadway, which is now mostly uh, flea markets and things like that. Uh, Broadway's a totally different street than it used to be uh, back in the 20s. So it was an amazing uh, story. And it just, look, I played in the game, and it's a special. I never felt that way before a football game in my life. And there was violence, Clay. I'll tell you a story. I think in 1997, we were out there, uh, and it was my first time out there as a player or anything. And I was found myself in the tunnel with my helmet on, and uh, there's it's a little tunnel, and they're standing right next to you, uh, the team. So you're like three yards apart, and USC's in one line and Notre Dame's in another, and they had the leprechaun running around in between <laughs> us. The leprechaun that year happened to be an African-American leprechaun. I remember the black leprechaun guy because yeah. that was a big story. Like on television, the black leprechaun guy got a lot of attention. It was the first black mascot, right? Like right, the leprechaun and our, uh, I guess, our team uh, did not uh, – uh, some of the gentlemen on our team <laughs> – 
who were also black, did not take kindly to the, to black, the, leprechaun. To the black leprechaun. And it caused uh, such a fight that Bob Davey went down. <laughs> Bob Davey, that Notre Dame coach at that time, was holding on to somebody's leg like Jeff Van Gundy. And, uh, I mean, everybody, it was crazy. And then, you know, ten minutes later, I was running down on a kickoff trying to tackle Alan Rossum. So it was, a, <laughs> I mean, it's a wild experience. And we won on a field goal that day, and we went into their locker room and destroyed it. The ceiling caved in. I mean, those the are old-school were... locker rooms, right? Well, the, the ceiling is, is very low in the visiting locker room in that old stadium. I don't know if they changed it. And so we were jumping around, and, and, and the ceiling literally caved in on our head coach. I mean, it, it was like a movie. Uh, so it, it's always an epic place to, to play, and, and having memories there, win or loss. Or when my dad played there, there was a fight on the field that, that, that delayed the game for 15 minutes that the cops had to break up. Oh, and, and can you imagine that happening today with, uh, with modern media? Everybody would no. lose their minds. You know, in the 60s. So, uh, you know, to me, it's a very special rivalry because it involves uh, two different things, and it's about two different things on either year. You know, one year it's about the seasons changing in the Midwest, and uh, in the even years it's about Hollywood and Thanksgiving uh, during the holidays. So I think it's pretty cool. What game do you have this weekend? I am at... Utah to visit Todd Graham and Kyle Whittingham as those two Pac-12 teams clash. Outstanding. All right, so last question for you as we head out. Do you think the Pac-12, I know it's early. I mean, we're seven weeks into the season. But are you, if you're a Pac-12 fan, are you nervous at all? I mean, because USC really needs to beat Notre Dame. And Washington and Washington State are the only other two undefeated teams, and they both got upset. Are you starting to get nervous about potentially missing the playoff? Oh, yeah, I think they very well could, and I think they very well maybe should. Uh, Washington go out and lose to Arizona is like Alabama losing to Arizona State, excuse me, this year. That's kind of like Alabama losing to Kentucky uh, or something like that. That's not not acceptable (laughs) for Washington if they're supposed to have a championship season. Now, they can recover, uh, but I think it's going to have to be a one-loss Pac-12 team if they want to have a chance. Now, if everybody just starts losing, I don't think anybody's really excellent this year with the exception of Alabama. So if everybody starts losing, then what what can you do? Uh, I don't think that it would be that big of a deal if there's a two-loss team, if there's a bunch of other two-loss teams, if you know what I'm saying. But if we have teams with just one loss, and one of them's in the Pac-12, after a couple of the performances we've seen out of USC in Washington, I'd be very nervous. I know I said last question, but this is a good one for you, too. When you think of the state of Florida and you think of wild animals, I imagine you're like me. You think about, like, snakes. You think about uh, alligators, you know, things like that. Yes, manatees. uh, Yeah, okay, a manatee. Would you be surprised if there were a bear loose in Florida? Like, if you were at a beach in Florida and you saw a bear, would you think that the bear seemed out of place? You know, i got to be, and I'm not trying to, like, be out-clever you or anything at 5.30 in the morning out here, <laughs> uh, but uh, nothing would surprise me about Florida. It like, is a crazy chaos. place, isn't it? Whenever you hear, like, there's chaos in Florida, which is literally America's penis <laughs> geographically, <laughs> You know, totally I mean, true. Yes. we wouldn't have cops if it wasn't for Florida, the show, yeah. you know, I mean, Dade County, Broward County, 
dude shirtless with a cigarette and a mullet and like a pube stash running from the cops, you know. And come on, it's 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 bred in our blood. And I like Florida. I'm just saying, I'm not is surprised it, that there's a bear attacking people. Isn't it perfect, by the way, that the Catholics versus convicts game is potentially back and really meaningful in that Notre Dame Miami game? I mean, Mark Rick's got things rolling. They may go undefeated potentially in the regular season. They'll be favored in every game the rest of the way. Suddenly, Brian Kelly's rolling down the South Beach with his team. I mean, I can't wait to see what happens in that one. As long as the guy Luke from Two Live Crew is there. Oh, yeah. Yes. There's no doubt at all. I think he might have uh, become a big FAU fan because Lane Kiffin's recruited him. Uh, Petros, thanks for getting up early with us. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Good night. <laughs> good night. That is Petros Papadakis. Go follow him on Twitter at Petros and Money. Listen to his show on 570 AM out in L.A. The Dodgers, man. We'll see whether or not they can get it up 3-0 over the Chicago Cubs. Final uh, segment of the show coming up momentarily. But first, let's go to my guy, Eddie Garcia. All right, Clay, how about some postseason baseball last night? It was Game 3 of the American League Championship Series with the Yankees beating the Astros 8-1. to Todd Frazier had a three-run homer in the second inning. Aaron Judge had a three-run homer in the fourth inning. There was plenty of support for starting pitcher CeCe Sabathia, who was great. He pitched six shutout innings, allowing just three hits in picking up the win. Now, Houston still has the 2-1 series lead, but New York feels like they're back in the series with that win, and they'll be back home again today for Game 4 of the ALCS That'll be a 5 p.m. Eastern time start. Week 6 in the NFL came to a close on Monday night in Nashville. Titans topped the Colts 36-22. Tennessee quarterback Marcus Mariota back from his hamstring injury pass for over 300 yards and had a big 53-yard touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter to seal that win. Tennessee snaps an 11-game losing streak to Indianapolis. The Titans are right now 3-3 three and three on the season, and that is good enough for a tie for the AFC South lead along with Jacksonville. And Houston, news from the NFL where Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers will have surgery for a broken collarbone. He's going to miss a significant amount of time. They're not going to say he's done for the season yet. Packers head coach Mike McCarthy said the team will go forward with backup quarterback Brett Hundley. They're not looking to bring in another quarterback from outside. Also, the NFL Players Association has filed a request for a temporary restraining order that would keep Dallas Cowboys suspended star running back Ezekiel Elliott on the field. That request is scheduled to be heard later today in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York. And finally, Clay, getting you set up for tonight. We talked about the Astros and Yankees playing again. You've got Game 3 of the National League Championship Series in Chicago. Cubs host the Dodgers. That's at 9 p.m. Eastern time. And it's opening night in the NBA. Cavaliers host the Celtics. And the, the NBA champion Warriors will be at home against the Rockets. We'll see what happens with that drama. Thank you, Eddie Garcia. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Final segment up next, John Gruden was calling the Monday Night Football game. Will he ever get back into coaching? Lots of Tennessee fans want him to. We'll talk about that next on Outkick. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Guys, I'm kind of fascinated by this because I was watching last night uh, John Gruden calling the game as he does every single Monday for ESPN on Monday Night Football. And there were a lot of people in the Titans stadium who were obviously not happy with Butch Jones, the University of Tennessee football coach, and they want him fired. And there has been a sort of constant drumbeat of attention paid to John Gruden surrounding the Tennessee job. 
And the reason, there are many reasons. One, he was a graduate assistant there. He's always said that he really enjoyed being affiliated with the University of Tennessee. He married a former University of Tennessee cheerleader. I believe that his son is currently enrolled at the University of Tennessee. He attended the South Carolina game on Saturday. And obviously, Nashville is just down the road from Knoxville. So he was able to drive in and do the game this weekend here in town. And it got me thinking. Do we believe that John Gruden will ever go back to coaching? Because he's kind of the great white coaching whale. He's a guy who has won a Super Bowl. John Madden is really the only other analogy we can use in the world of football of a guy who achieved the ultimate pinnacle of success and then became so good at calling games that he never went back and kind of scratched that itch again and became a head coach in the NFL again. Now, he was fired, obviously, by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers eventually, but Gruden had a great deal of success with both the Raiders and the Bucs, winning the Super Bowl as he did for the Bucs. So, in general, if you go around the horn right now, do you believe that John Gruden is going to become like John Madden and never really go back into the coaching arena and will know him primarily as a guy who was in the booth and was very good at it, Or do you think he'll ever coach again? I'll start with you, Jason Martin, but first I'll give you my opinion. I think he's going to coach again. I always gamble on, yes, a guy is going to coach again. Uh, Ultimately, because I think it's hard to get that out of your blood. And look, just like with John Madden was a young guy when he went into the booth, relatively speaking, and stayed there forever, it's not as if John Gruden can't come back and eventually do games again. Now, I know he's really highly paid. I know he's good at what he does. I know he has a lot of free time. But as his kids get older and start to graduate and move off to school, is he really going to be in the booth for the next 20 years? Uh, I don't think so. I think at some point he will take another job. I'm not sure that it'll be a college job. I think it'd probably be an NFL job. But otherwise, why is he staying so plugged in with the X's and O's side of the game? I think he just likes the mental battle of being a coach. And I think at some point in time, he will be a coach again in either the NFL or maybe in college. I'm just not buying into the fact that he is that he scratched that itch for the last time. Kind of in a perspective for you, he looks younger than he is, but John Gruden is still only 54 years old. So even with the amount of time that he has spent doing Monday Night Football, he's still only 54. You know, he might coach for five or six more years. Maybe he's never going to coach again, but I would bet on yes. What about you, Jason Martin? I think it would be foolish to assume that he's done because he's still young enough and you can still see the hunger just in the emotion and the intensity he puts into the broadcasting side. I think it would be a much better chance that he would coach in the near future if he did not have this quarterback camp and all of those things where he works with these quarterbacks and kind of does that in the lead up to the draft every year. I think that that helps him in certain regards, but there's no question that if the right opportunity were to present itself, I don't think it's going to happen in the near future, quite frankly. But And I think he really enjoys TV, and he makes a ton of money for what he does, and he does a really good job of it. It's It would be foolish and naive to think that he's never going to come back. If he doesn't come back, it's not going to shock me. But I think once a coach, always a coach, unless you've been jaded. And I don't think John Gruden has ever been jaded. I think he's still got a serious love and passion for the game of football and helping to teach young men. What do you guys think out in L.A.? Do you think Gruden is going to be John Madden? He's never going to come out of the booth. He's never going to coach again. Or do you guys think that at some point in time he's going to pull himself out of the booth and take a job? It's hard to say. I mean, you look at 
he has some years left, definitely. He looks like a youthful guy. Um, but a lot of programs have already made passes at him, and he's turned them down. And he's he gets paid a lot of money, and he does these camps for something that's a lot a lot less stress than coaching in college or the NFL. So it's hard to say. I'd like to see him coach again, but I just don't know. What about you, uh, Robert? Do you think he's done? Yeah, I think he's done. I think he's got a great gig uh, doing Monday Night Football. He gets paid a lot of money to do not a whole heck of a lot of work relative to coaching. And I think he's comfortable. So um, I don't know why you want to get back into that daily grind of coaching if you don't really have to at this point. Yeah, I think it's just because you love it. I mean, I think that's the only reason that the answer is why you do it because ultimately it's what you think you're best at and because you love it. Um, Interesting question, though, and obviously there's a lot of people in Tennessee that would love to see him come back and rescue the University of Tennessee football program from the the ravages that Butch Jones has brought up. Great game last night, Monday Night Football. Thanks to everybody who was on the Blood Bank Guarantee. My thanks to Sirius Satellite Radio. We're on Channel 218 now, Channel 202. Everything seems to be working there well on XM, so make sure that you listen there. Go download the podcast. Thank you for hanging with us, as you always do on Tuesday. Going to have a great show with you tomorrow as well, and hopefully I'll have more than two and a half hours sleep. A lot of fun last night at Monday Night Football. Thank you guys all for spending your Tuesday morning with us and hope you all have spectacular days. Remember, we've got the OutKick California shirts up, the proceeds going for the California Wildfire event. So you can go check those out at OutKick.com and buy your own OutKick California shirt. Appreciate all y'all. Have a great Tuesday across the country. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.